Welcome to the Millerville Community Church podcast of our Sunday morning sermon series, where the Word of God is always the focus of our hearts and prayers. MCC is a non-denominational country-style church, just a short 20-minute drive from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Although we're often considered a cowboy church, we're actually a community of diverse people from many different backgrounds who have a common commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. This live recording is made possible by the generous donation and support of our subscribers. If you would like to join the growing community of seekers and believers who support MCC podcasts, just go to our website, www.millervillechurch.org, and you can make your online donation anytime. If you have questions, suggestions, and feedback you would like to share with us, please use our email service at infomillervillechurch.org. The following podcast is available on SoundCloud, Millerville Church, and subscribe to us on iTunes under Podcasts. Look for Religion and Spirituality and Millerville Community Church. And now, here's a message from Sunday Morning at MCC. Hi, I'm Pastor John from Millerville Community Church, and welcome to our morning service this Sunday. We are continuing our sermon series in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We encourage you to get your Bibles and read along with us as we work through this passage together. It is a very different time that we are experiencing, a time where we may have feel like we've lost our freedoms and that we are confined to our homes during this pandemic, trying to be responsible of what we do and to make sure that we don't uh, cross-contaminate other people as well. I appreciate the sacrifice that you are making at this time for the sake of those that are at risk. But you may have felt like you have lost freedoms long before this pandemic showed up. You may have felt like your choices were becoming limited in what you could and could not do. Those restrictions come in many ways. They come in financial restrictions and restrictions in our relationships and our freedoms that we experience that for very house reasons, they might've been taken away as well. As we deal with more internal issues that respect our, restrict our freedoms, we might be dealing with habits and thoughts and attitudes that take away our freedom and they take away the freedom to hope, to trust, and to love again. The mistake we often make in thinking that if our situation was different, if only someone or something out there would change, then we could be set free from the cage that we find ourselves in, where we feel like we have very little choice we're often encouraged to believe a lie, and that lie is that our freedom is dependent on our situation that we're in, or it's dependent on another person who holds the key to our chains. You may believe this is true, but it's not true. It's far from the truth. It is a deception that you have been told. The only person that has placed chains on your life is you and your willingness 
to be restricted by the opinions, by the threats, and by the seductions of others. Freedom is God's gift to every person. Freedom is the ability to make a choice. No matter what the situation you find yourself in, you have the freedom right now to make any decision that you want to make. No matter what your circumstances are, or what pressures have come to bear in your life, and even right now, no matter what they are, you still have the God-given ability to make your own decision about what you will do next. No one can take that freedom of choice away from you. You will bear the consequences of your choice, indeed, we all do, but you do have a choice. But what is freedom? What is this freedom we have to choose, and how do we use this freedom to choose wisely? We have all wasted our ability to choose in this freedom if we don't choose well. In fact, that's the goal, is to make good decisions, to use our free will to make choices that matter, that are significant. Some give up this God-given ability to choose to another or to the situations that they're in. And they feel like all they have to do is follow another and the choices they make. They freely choose to do that. And that is a poor decision that will take away your freedoms that God has given you. If you are alive right now today and listening to my voice, you are free to choose. But what will you do with this freedom that you have? Freedom is not something we uh, simply strive to gain because you already have it. You don't have to strive to gain it. You have the freedom to choose right now. I don't care if you live in the United States or Canada or in Europe. I don't even care if you live in Russia or China or North Korea for that matter you still have the God-given freedom to make your own choices. But it does mean that the price you pay for those choices can be very intimidating. In the end, freedom is not our goal. Freedom to do whatever we want isn't what we're striving to achieve. In the end, if you want to keep your freedom, it needs to be for something bigger than freedom itself. You're free now, and we will consider how to use that freedom you have to serve something larger than freedom itself. And with the help of the Word of God, we'll explore that together. So turn to 1 Corinthians, and we will start at chapter 9, if you will, starting at verse 1. Paul goes on here to, in this passage, to pick up our theme. And uh, starting at verse 1, he says, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? And are you not my work in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship 
in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this, do we not have a right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas as well? Or do only Barnabas and I have the right to refrain from working? Who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it? Or who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock? The church in Corinth had many problems, and most of them were of their own making, as it is often in many of our lives. The heart attitude was so focused away from the service to Jesus Christ that they were looking to advancing their own interests and their own agendas in their life. Their focus was away from service to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They were just looking to their own personal interests in their life. When this happens, the hard attitude is revealed by the attack that a lot of people have on leadership. This is an old story. It's been around a long time, and here we find it right in the book of Corinth. Paul is here saying, in my own defense, he needs to defend himself because he's being attacked. And from the way he defends himself, we know what the attack was. He was being attacked on the issue of money and the ability that he had to collect money from those and from the church that he had helped establish and he had led people to the Lord. And they were saying something that may sound very familiar to you. They were saying, Paul and Barnabas, his helper, are just in this for the money. And they're money-grabbing preachers. And all they want is my money. Paul defended himself by saying, it's my right to receive financial assistance from this ministry I'm performing to you. It's his right according to the word of God, where it's recorded that the priests of the temple should be able to take a share in the tithe that is brought into the temple. It is right because of the other leadership that they had agreed and they received help, like in the many of other apostles and leaders of the church who were doing the very same thing. It was his right by God's ordination and everything else, and there was absolutely nothing wrong. In fact, it was following the same rules that any farmer or tradesperson or anybody would follow, that they would have a right to make a living from the work and the labor that they did, whether whatever it might be. And yet Paul's being attacked on this point, saying that they questioned his motives in what he did. So Paul gives this defense, and he says he has the right to eat, drink, and live just like anybody else. But although Paul sets and argues a great argument that he has the right to these things, 
he has the right to work for a living, he makes the choice in his freedom that he has that he isn't going to use that right for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ, even though he has the right. He's not going to use it. Let's pick it up at verse 8 and see what he says there. Am I not speaking to those according to uh, human judgment? Am I? Or does the law also say these things? For it is written in the laws of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. God is not concerned about the oxen, is he? Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, not for, for our sake it is written because the plowman ought to plow in hope and the thresher to thresh in hope. And so it goes, shed in in the sharing of the crops. If we sold spiritual things in you, is it too much if we should reap material things from you? If others share the right over you, do we not more share that right? Nevertheless, we did not use this right. We endured all things. We may cause no, that we might cause no hindrance to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you not, not know that those who perform uh, sacred service eat the food of the temple, and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share with the altar. So the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living, directed direct those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. So here we have it that Paul shows from the word of God and from the teaching of the word and the tradition that it goes back thousands of years that those who work and labor on behalf of the Lord are allowed and have the right to receive their living from that work that they do. And here we have something remarkable take place in this passage, that this is not typical of many people at any time in history, any culture. Paul says he is free in Christ to do what he wants and could claim his rights over others, but he chose in freedom not to claim those rights. To make a living on the gospel of Jesus Christ was his right. But in Corinth, in this town, he chose not to exercise those rights. He chose to do this to remove the complaint or the objection towards his ministry. So he could preach the gospel of Jesus Christ anywhere the way he felt it needed to be proclaimed without hindrance from anyone. In his freedom, he and his co-worker Barnabas chose to freely endure all things just to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that Jesus came to die on the cross for us. For Paul, there was nothing more important than telling others about Jesus Christ and what a difference he could make to their lives. It goes on to say in 15 on down to 18, if you look at it with me. But I have uh, used uh, none of these rights. 
I have, but I have used none of these things. I am not writing these things that it may be done. So in my case, for it would be better for me to die than to have any man make a boast that is an empty one. For I preach the gospel. I have nothing to boast of, for I'm under compulsion. For woe to is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. What then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am a free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, that I might win some more. Paul says here that uh, when you get paid to do a job, you do a job for the person who pays you. And uh, whatever salary they're giving you, that means that you give up the rights, you give up freedoms, and you take on responsibilities because the person paying you determines what you do after that. If you don't do what the person tells you to do, who's paying your salary, you can be fired. So you want to please the person who pays you. You all get that, you all live that way. We know what that is experience. Even if you own a company, you know you need to keep your customers happy or they'll fire you and you'll go out of business. So the person who pays is the one who has the say in our lives. Paul knew this as a minister, that if he went to Corinth and he took the money from the Corinthians, they would want to have a say in what he said and how he preached and how he delivered it. This is one of the great traps of the gospel when we receive money, like I do, as being a minister of the church. But in all my years, I have never had a congregation come to me and tell me what I can and cannot preach from the Word of God. They just want me to be true to the Word of God. And they will test me by the Word of God. But whatever the Lord, as long as it's the Lord, is directing me to preach, that's what they want declared. We all long to hear from God and not another's paid opinion in our lives. Paul is a Jew, and he was a Jew who believed that Jesus is the Messiah. To be part of a mission of Jesus Christ was too important to be compromised by such Greek market games. And what I mean by that is the Greeks understood that there was a great fun that they had down in the market. They would go down to the market and they would find a philosopher. And this philosopher, a sophist, you could walk up to him and you'd pay him a track or two. And then you would say, I want you to make an argument for um, the world and saving it from disaster for Greenpeace. And uh, then the philosopher would launch into a lengthy argument using Greek logic and everything else, showing how uh, that argument is a sound argument. Then you would pay him another draca, 
And you would say, now I want you to argue for oil development and industry. And then he would argue just as passionately for the opposite position. That ability amongst the Greeks was considered impressive and a skill. And they knew that you could purchase that kind of opinion and argument in a person's life. We do that today, but we don't go down to the marketplace to hire a philosopher in a row to make these arguments. We just simply log online to our favorite newscast or opinion poll or social media to find and hear what we want to hear. There's someone who will tell us what we want to hear and what to know. And then we're comforted and reassured that our biases and what we think is real is actual reality because the person we paid is telling us exactly what we want to hear. Right now in the world, we're being asked to give up all kinds of rights and to gather in houses of worship. We were giving that up to hug another person. We're having to give that up to run our business as we please. Many of, of them are having to shut their doors. A pandemic has changed our lives, and that is why I'm speaking to you over the internet right now. Yet millions of us are giving up our rights because we care about what will happen to the elderly. We're concerned about those who have compromised health problems that are at risk because of the pandemic, and others who, who may not be as in great at health as ourselves. COVID-19 has changed our world. There's no doubt about it. We have used our freedom to choose that God has given us, and we have given up our rights out of love and compassion for other people. We're not caged by self-isolation from our trips abroad for 14 days. We choose to be isolated. We're not caged. No one's forcing us we are making those decisions on our own. We are free to choose this, surrendering our rights for our community, our city, our province, our country, and the world. Paul was doing the very same thing. He wasn't going to do what anyone said simply because they were paying him or even living under that expectation. He gave up that right because of his love for God and the gospel of Jesus Christ and for the difference it could make in people's lives. Freedom that God gives is realized most when you do, not when you do whatever you want, that's not when you realize your freedom, but when you choose to give up your rights and privileges for another. This is grace. This is what the Bible means by grace. This is the kind of grace that Jesus Christ demonstrated. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, we read this about the grace of Jesus Christ, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. 
So then, so then if you want to keep your freedoms, choose to live a grace-filled life with the grace of God, as demonstrated by Jesus Christ, who did not consider equality with God something to be hung on to tightly, but gave away his rights freely by his own choice for the sake and the love of God. 1 Corinthians 9 goes on to say in verse 19, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I may win some. To the Jews I became a Jew, so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are, are under the law. To those who are without the law, as without the law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ so that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. The freedom we know in Jesus Christ allows us to change, to adapt to whatever grace requires. You have used the phrase, and I'm sure you've heard it, no matter what the situation requires. you got to do whatever the situation requires. But that is how you lose your freedom if you do it determining on the situation. You have a choice. And you must choose it every day when you walk in the grace of God. You have a choice to choose the will of God and to walk in surrendering your rights on behalf of others. Circumstances enslave us, but you can rise above the circumstances you're in right now by taking action despite the threats despite obligations that people want to put upon you. Grace requires you to think all the time, to think about what it is that people are needing. What is this moment, this moment of grace? What does it require that I sacrifice that they might receive the love of God in their lives? Sharing the gospel in words is only uh, a part of how we share the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul shows us here that grace must be lived and it must be shown in front of people and persons that we're sharing Jesus Christ to. The Holy Spirit inspired words that Paul uses to describe this. And if you haven't underlined this in your Bible, you should do it right now. It goes this way. I have become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. What the Word of God is trying to tell us today, what he is whispering to our hearts, is that we need to bring the good news about God's love in Jesus Christ in grace-filled actions. How do we do that? Well, 
We sacrifice our physical freedom for those who are enslaved so that they can be set free. We sacrifice our freedom from rules for those who are ruled by laws so that they can be set free. We sacrifice our freedom from empty religion rituals for those who are religious so that they can be set free from meaningless repetition. We sacrifice our freedom from passionate, narcissistic behavior to reach those who are trapped in a self-indulging world. We sacrifice our power and our authority in Christ to sit with the weak and powerless and just to be with them, to encourage them and tell them about the love of God. God. Grace always comes with sacrifice. And that sacrifice always matches the need of the person who is not free in Jesus Christ. That is what it means to be like Jesus Christ. When he came to share the love of God with us and called us to freedom in Christ, he did it in grace and in love. 1 Corinthians 9 goes on at verse 24. We're going to pick it up at 24 and read on down to 27. Do you not, not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in games exercises self-control in all things. Then they then do it to receive a perishable wreath that they put on their head, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. In the box, I, I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body to make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Freedom, if we want to keep it, must be a willing sacrifice to the Lord every day of our life. We have a free will, but if you don't willingly offer uh, your our choices to the Lord as a sacrifice, we will be enslaved by circumstances, by manipulations, and by ritualistic behavior in our lives. If we make being free our goal, I want to be free to do whatever I want, we will lose our freedom. For being free is not the ultimate goal of life. But grace given by God to be used in this service is how we keep our freedom. This service we enter into with the Lord Jesus Christ is a military service. And what the goal in mind is to win a war that we are in the midst of in this evil world. Jesus Christ is our commander, our general, and we are his soldiers in a very ancient war that's been going on for a long time. Every day we're being called to the front lines and to make sacrifices in battles that are being fought for our freedoms so that others can be set free. We want everyone to know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ 
and we show that grace by the sacrifices we make in these battles. And every day, joining our ranks is a swelling army of those who are victorious over evil and sin in this world. Our goal is to win, make no mistake about it. It is to win against enslavement to the many chains of evil in this world and to use our freedom in Christ Jesus Christ to set others free in the same grace. You will never feel freer than in the service of King Jesus in this great world war. Jesus Christ came to fight the good fight and to set us free from sin because that of his love and because of his amazing love for us, for those who were enslaved by evil itself. Just before the great decisive battle of Golgotha, Jesus told his disciples to get ready for the conflict that was about to come. He went to his war room in the garden, and there he prayed before God for his will to be done, to prepare his own heart for the sacrifice that he would make for the freedoms of all of humanity. The body didn't want to die. The body said, no, we must preserve our life. We can't make this sacrifice. But Jesus wrestled in his war room with God and prepared his heart and steadied himself for the sacrifice that the next battle would require. He left that war room to go check on his disciples, whom he hoped were also praying in their war rooms to make sure that they were getting ready for the battle. And when he found them, they were sleeping and they were resting for the battle that is ahead. He warned them that sleep and rest is not what you need in this kind of war, but prayer and discipline of the body and committed to winning the battle. Jesus uh, said to his resting warriors, these words we find in Matthew 26, verse 41. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus went back to his war room after telling them that, and he continued to ready his soul, discipline his body for the battle that is ahead, and resolve to sacrifice even his life upon the cross, not just not just some lost sheep, if that is, he wanted to give everything he could for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ to set us free from death to the restless lives enslaved from sin. He came back and found his sleeping warriors, and they were unprepared for the battle that was about to descend upon them. And Jesus said to them, again, Matthew 26, but at 45 and 46 verses, are you still sleeping? Are you still resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being trained into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. When the battle comes, some run, some hide. But Jesus Christ yells, get up, let us be going. Jesus does not avoid a battle or hide, but he rises to meet it. 
was resolved to make the sacrifice needed to win this war. Jesus calls us through the word of God to you and to me this morning to run to win, to rise up and let us be going. Let us live our lives and uh, know that our very existence at stake. We are the few that can meet the battle that is coming upon us, and this battle must be fought. We are warned to discipline our bodies and our minds by exercising self-control in all things, Paul says, so that we are ready when the conflict comes and sacrifices required. For the flesh will not want to make the sacrifice. You will never know more freedom in your life than when you are free from the demands of your body for self-preservation. And you give yourself to a grace-filled adventure with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in all things. Jesus is calling to each of us. He's calling us for the battle is at hand. Do you want to answer that call? Do you want to be free in your everyday life? Not to do whatever you want, but to aim high, to serve the Lord in a graceful way in the kingdom of God. Maybe you want to join the growing ranks of God's army and be invaded as we invade this sinful world and work to set people free from the power of sin. You can do that today. Won't you pray with me? If you want to make that free will choice this morning, you will find this battle hard, but you will also find Jesus Christ at your right hand, there to help you with his grace every day. And you'll be on the winning side when you join. Won't you pray with me? Dear Jesus, we thank you for your great love that you came to earth and died on the cross for us, that we might be set free from the power that all our sins could be forgiven if we would just ask you. So right now in your name we ask that you would forgive every sin and wash us clean. Lord Jesus, we have heard from your word today that you are calling us to the battle, to the front lines. And we would ready our hearts and discipline, and that we would be prepared to make in our own free will the sacrifice that the grace requires so that others can hear the good news that we are hearing today. Lord Jesus, we sign up. We're here. We're a part of that. We will not be found sleeping or resting for the, before the battle, but getting ready. So when the time comes, we will not be tempted to run and to hide and to protect, to be intimidated, to lose the ability to choose the courageous path. But we choose you now, and we prepare our hearts to make whatever sacrifice is necessary. We thank you, Lord, for freeing us from this world as we serve the kingdom that is coming and has already arrived in our hearts. Lord, we pray for everyone around the world including those who are listening to this video right now, that they might know the grace and the love of God in their hearts and be free from fear and replace it with faith, that they might be free from despair 
that you would replace it with your hope and that they would be free from feeling isolated and alone and that you would fill their hearts with your love, O oh God, the love of Jesus Christ. We pray this in your holy name, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord be with you in your comings and goings. May his grace be upon your house forever and ever. And may the Lord be the king of your life to give it meaning and significance. Well, until next week, this is Pastor John from Millerville Community Church. And we hope you'll join us for evening, evening vespers uh, on this same venue every evening at 7 p.m. Monday through Friday. And we'll see you next Sunday right here at Millerville Community Church. I'm looking forward to seeing you then. God bless you and God keep you all.